0: I want to emphasize to you this morning that we appreciate your presence here, and we ask for your prayers, and uh, we solicit your support for this congregation as we endeavor to reach out and touch the lives of uh, as many people as we can in this neighborhood.
1: The elders
0: have had meetings this week and we have uh, rededicated ourselves to uh, serve you, to cooperate with each other and uh, with the great uh, vision of reaching out and touching the lives of people. We ask your support. We ask your help. We discussed the fact that we understand that many times people get the idea that eldership is so concerned about leading and doing things and procedures that they forget the the people, and we acknowledge that. But as we studied and deliberated together, we we understood that God, that Jesus said, the ones that of a secular nature and of the Gentile world. They'll try to rule over you, and they'll try to call the shots because of their power. But uh, it's not so in the kingdom of God, but he that's greatest among you is your servant. Let him be your servant. And Jesus demonstrated that in his model in John, the 13th chapter of, of the Gospel according to John, when he washed the feet of the disciples and said, Now, Since I wash your feet, you wash each other's feet. So we can't emulate any greater example than Jesus is to serve one another. And we want you to understand that we want to develop in that area. And we ask you for the forgiveness of uh, our overlooking and uh, saying and maybe doing things that would would imply to you that you're not important, you're very important, and we realize that (coughs) The greatest thing that we can do is is empower you as a congregation and give to you assignments and help and call on you to help us uh, to work for the Lord. And uh, as we empower you by sharing the great task of uh, exemplifying Christ, we we want uh, your help and your support. And we need your prayers. And as we stand a a unit (coughs) of uh, men working together in peace and in harmony and supporting each other, we would like for you to support us. So may we remember that. And in thinking of this, I want to deliver a lesson this morning on forgiveness. And this forgiveness is not directed to anybody specifically, but to every. to, though generally, but it's just to everybody specifically, because we all are servants of God. And I think we all need a great lesson on forgiveness, because we sometimes get filled with bad attitudes, and uh, <clears throat> we destroy the work of Christ, and we're not even aware of it. As a young man, <clears throat> Jim uh, wanted to be a medical doctor. He studied hard all through elementary school in high school, and his hard work paid off, and he graduated with excellent grades. Uh, but when the time came for him to go away to college, uh, his father refused to allow him to leave. Uh, he forced him to stay on the family farm and to work. And at the age of 23, uh, Jim had taken all he could take of the farm, and uh, he packed up his belongings. He loaded his car and he left. Along with his clothing and a few books, uh, Jim took something else with him uh, as well. He drove away that day uh, with a heart full of bitterness and a heart full of resentment uh, toward his father. And everywhere Jim went, he had difficulty. He had difficulty getting along with others. And as people would try to get close to him, his bitterness would pour out all over them. And uh, he seemed unable to make uh, long-lasting relationships and friendship. And he was filled with the feelings of rejection and uh, isolation. Uh, And uh, frequently he found himself moving from one job to another. And he was never able to settle down. Now finally he met a lady, a young lady who he cared for very much, and she cared for him very much. They were engaged and they were married. She was a widow uh, with one son. Three weeks into the marriage, uh, an unexpected outburst of anger marked the beginning. All over 40 years of hail on earth for his loyal wife. And his short temper and his vile language drove away the few friends he had. And eventually his wife's friends could no longer tolerate his behavior. Right up to the last of his life, nearly blind, senile, unable to care for himself, the poison of bitterness continued to eat away at Jim's heart. And all because he was unwilling to deal with the rejection and the hurt he had experienced as a teenager. Now, I don't know all the reasons why Jim's father would not Let him go to college, leave the farm. Maybe he was uneducated. Maybe he was threatened by Jim's educational pursuits, his ability to cope with things. Maybe he was selfish. He wanted uh, to, uh, didn't want to lose him as a worker and as a farmhand, but he lost him anyway. Let's give Jim the benefit of the doubt, and say he was justified in feeling hurt because of his father's decision and rejection. In spite of being justified, however, Jim's reactions did not hurt his father, not half so much as it hurt him. Such is the mature or immature nature of an unforgiving spirit. It is like a hot coal. The longer and tighter it is held, the deeper the burn. Like a hot coal, bitterness begins to develop, too. It will leave scars that time will not erase. The Word of God in Hebrews the thirteenth, the twelfth chapter and verse fifteen tells us the less side bitterness, no root of bitterness, don't but any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby the many be defiled. There's no place for that among the people of God even though we may justify our emotions and we're dealing with them as people. So in the third chapter of James, he says the bitterness, the envy, and the hate is the wisdom from below. But the wisdom from above is first pure, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and of good fruits. Now, in order to say that, I want to just talk with you just a few minutes about a parable that Jesus talked about, and this is to help us to work in harmony and peace and support one another in spite of maybe some disagreements that anybody may have had in the past or the present. We just work together because we're God's people. And this is the way that the world knows that we're the disciples because we love one another and we work through this. In the 15th chapter of the book of Luke, Jesus tells about a parable. And he not ha- doesn't just have one parable, he has three. Boom, boom, boom. And it was the, for the purpose of discussing and helping people know how much he loves us and wants us to love one another. That's what it was all about. The setting was he was reaching out and he was having something to do with publicans and sinners. And the religious mindset of that day was you have anything to do with sinners and you'll be God has just forgotten those people, and you contaminate yourself. You can't do that. And Jesus was doing it. And Their mindset was that God doesn't like anybody that deals with the publicans and the sinners. And that was so strong. Until Jesus just opened up his heart and he just wanted to tell them how God failed. He said, I want you to show I want to show you how my father fails. He said a man has sheep and he loses him. And he'll leave the whole ninety and nine. And go get that one sinner. My father feels this way, if we lose a piece of money, he wants us to look and look and look at that money, lost money as a sinner. Now that was the context, that's the setting. And that's what I'm doing, is looking for sinners, and helping my lost pieces of coin, precious he said, more than that, let's get closer to my father. My father is like a father who lost two sons. He lost two sons. He didn't have a relationship with either one very much. It's like, my father doesn't have too much relationship with you people who are criticizing me. But I want to tell you how much he loves you. I said before this time that this young man who left him and rejected him and went out and so got his money that his dad had worked all so hard for her. He didn't deserve it until God, until his father would have given it to him. But his father just loved him enough he just gave it to him. He allowed him the freedom. And he went out and he just spent everything and just lost everything. Now, I want to put you in touch with my father. He doesn't have any limits to his love. He doesn't have any limits to his love. He stayed there and he waited and his son's out there and, and But it didn't matter how long. He was still watching and waiting and looking. see that's how little they knew about how god feels about sinners there's no time he can just stay out there he can spend everything he can just exhaust himself he just doesn't have anything he's not even worth uh, coming back and giving himself because he's completely exhausted it doesn't matter with god god will accept him when he's on the bottom run And you know what? He doesn't hold any budget, grudges or, or bitterness. He's willing to forgive it. You know, he said he's patient. He just keeps waiting. He doesn't give up. He just hangs in there. And he just waits, and he just waits, and then finally he came. After he exhausted himself, he came to him, and his father. He didn't have any bitterness. He didn't have any grudges. He didn't have any. He told you so. He didn't have those things. He just looked, and he just ran, and he just he he just ran to him. He he was just so excited to see him, and to have a relationship with his son who had exhausted everything he'd given him. And he just put his hand over his mouth and said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not worthy, I'm not. He said, yes, you yeah, you're lost, you're found. That's how my father loves people, sinners. But more than that, he said, I'm going to tell you how my father feels. He doesn't focus on his sins like you're doing. You're saying, the Son of God is a sinner, or he wouldn't have anything to do with sinners. You're focusing on the sinners. You're focusing on all of their uh, shortcomings and everything they're doing wrong. People say, well, you know, we can't have anything to do with that person. He's done this, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this. He does all this thing wrong. He just focused on the sinner. He didn't focus on the sin and say, You smell like a pig. You don't even have any clothes on. You're not dressed like I taught you to be dressed. You didn't conduct yourself like you should. You've done away with the dignity that I ever had, that you ever had, and I ever taught you. No, he focused on the sinner. And he didn't even say anything about the sin. You know why? He forgave him. Not that it wasn't sin, not that he wanted to tolerate it, not that God would have him to engage in it, but he focused on the sinner and on the love that he had. And you know, we need to do that. And you know, the last point I want to mention is that he said, I want to tell you how my father feels. It's like that sheep came in, there was great rejoicing. When that coin was found, there was great rejoicing. When that boy came home, there was great rejoicing. You know what God wants? He wants a relationship with sinners that are cleansed by the blood of Christ and believes in Christ and believes in the sacrifice that Christ gave and enjoys a relationship with God, the Father. When God looks at us, if we believe in Christ, and we believe He's the sacrifice, and is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, He doesn't see our sins. He sees Christ's sacrifice accepted and just absolutely being appropriated by the sinner, and He sees Christ. And we become Christ-like because we have faith in him. that doesn't mean that we don't believe in faith, nor repentance, nor confession, nor baptism. All of that has to do with accepting Christ. And he forgives us. And you know, if we walk in that light as he is in the light the blood of his son cleanses us from all unrighteousness and if we want to say we don't have any sin then we become a liar and his truth is not in us now the great thing the world needs today is for us to reach out and to have a relationship with Jesus the son of God and to take on the great burden of sharing Christ within us and with others. And we're going to be saved at the end because we have delivered ourselves to Christ and his Church, and his Church are people who trust in him and believe in him. Do you have any bitterness in your life? Just this past week, I talked with a lady who had lost three babies because she couldn't carry them. Carrying her now she prays that God will give her strength to bring it into the earth. There has to be bitterness and disappointment along that line. But there's a lot of people that have been molested sexually, verbally, emotionally, physically, in their child stage. And they have just buried it. And they're carrying around a baggage of bitterness that they don't even worry of. Like old Jim that we read about at the beginning. Jesus came to deliver us from all the hurts and all the hates and all the bitterness and to let him help us to make the world a better place to live because he gets into our lives. And people won't have a relationship if we let Christ take over our lives. If you don't forgive, you're retaining the acid that will burn you up. All your creativity. If we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now be careful. Be careful. To say, oh no, I don't I don't have any grudges. You can go to hell for lying. Same as stealing. I call it lying, but it's denying. But denying and lying are the same thing to exist, but you don't tell a person that because they don't accept that. But let's just open up ourselves and just admit that we are not livable unless Christ lives in us. And if you don't like it because people reject you, take a look at yourself rid of your sin, your grudges, your hurts, and your hates, and give them to Christ, and let Christ take over in your life, I'll tell you, people will be attracted to you. if you've never confessed him as a Savior and the Lord. And if you've never been, if you've never died to yourself and been buried in baptism to put him on, then that's the time you need to do that. This is the time it's a gradual process, it's a living process of putting on Christ. Ephesians says it, Colossians says it, Galatians says it. And let's just open up our hearts and lives and let Christ come into our hearts. If we haven't been obedient The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we need to do it. If we haven't really confessed. Yet we've been trying to live on our own strength. Let's live on the strength and the the person of Christ. It's our position in Christ that will overcome as we stand together and sing.